everyone. Thanks for taking the time to stop by the campfire. I'm your host, Cole Kelly. Summer camp provides everyone involved a great deal of fun and a surprising amount of learning. Yes, it's actually true. You can have a blast while learning things that will help you later in life. It doesn't matter whether you're a seven-year-old first-time camper, a 16-year-old CIT, a college-age staff member, or a year-round professional with more than two decades under your belt. There's always a lot to learn at summer camp. The idea behind this podcast is actually to shine a light on some of those lessons that we learn at summer camp and figure out how we can apply them to our lives back home. I hope you'll hear a few bits of summer camp wisdom that you can put to work immediately in your daily life. What you're about to hear tonight is part origin story, part very brief review of one of the most prolific and ongoing camp careers that I've ever heard, as well as some huge lessons that will help all of us. It's a little longer than most of our campfire talks, and it's totally well worth the extra time. My guest around the campfire tonight is John Jorgensen. Jorgie, as he's affectionately known, directs and coordinates the Camp Twingo Outdoor Center up in Ontario, Canada, throughout the year, and is also the director of program for the summer camp. He served as the president of both the Ontario Camp Association and the Canadian Camping Association, as well as the chair of the editorial board of the American Camp Association magazine's Camping Magazine. He's conducted workshops in camping and outdoor education across Canada, the United States, Japan, Malaysia, Australia, Greece, Mexico, Bulgaria, Russia, and Hong Kong. This guy has gotten around. He's contributed or co-authored five Camp Tapawingo publications. He's been the general session chair of the Third International Camping Congress in Toronto and so much more, including being the executive of the International Camping Fellowship, which you'll hear more about. Y'all, this guy really knows what he is talking about, and I'm really excited for you to listen in on this great campfire conversation with my new friend, Georgie. John Jorgensen, I am so happy to have you around the campfire. It's a pleasure to be here, uh, Cole. <laughs> we are um, we're associates from uh, from a distance, and but have uh, I've met periodically, and it's nice to sit down on the log with you and and chat. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's funny. I think first time I met you was at the ACA uh, conference, tri-state conference, I should say, in New Jersey, and then the next time I met you, we were in Shenzhen, China. Um, <laughs> so who who knew the camping summer camp would get us in, in all these different places? Well, that's that's the operative uh, uh, the operative phrase I think throughout our conversation today. You know, who knew just how big the whole thing was. <laughs> Well, now you you've been in outdoor education and and summer camp, and really we have to say outdoor education for you because you work quite a bit throughout the year um, educating young men and women, uh, both campers and and staff members uh, through this process. How how did you get started in in outdoor education? I started out as a young boy. <laughs> okay, uh, as as most boys do, uh, and I uh, my my dad. My dad grew up uh, in a, from a family of 12. Uh, he was uh, 12 children, and he uh, was from a farming background, very much outdoor-oriented, but he moved into the education field. And so uh, as, as we trace the path for all my siblings, I think we've all ended up in some, to some measure, involved in community service and in outdoor activity and so on. So... So we followed my father and my mother's uh, energy and lead 
but way back, as I was getting started, my one of the things my father did was start a small camp, uh, and he worked with other service uh, community service group members in mm-hmm. the community, mm-hmm. and uh, so I tagged along as the one. Uh, each of my siblings jumped in uh, uh, over the years as the son of the director, and we mm-hmm. and I had my first experience and grew up through that uh, camp experience. It was only a one-week program offered every summer, uh, but it was uh, transformative, and we became, uh, I became a staff member. And then uh, my older brother started at a small camp. I'm from southwestern Ontario, about mm-hmm. two hours west of Toronto, uh, and started at a horseback riding camp. Uh, and I'd never been on a horse before. My, my first horse was, a, <laughs> they put me up on a big draft horse. Uh, I felt like I was riding a coach <laughs> at Chesterfield, um, but, but loved it and, and just became totally immersed in, in that camp experience. So much so that I decided to go into biology studied uh, studied biology with an intent to get outdoors at some point. And I, I took a detour and uh, as I graduated, I was, uh, my, my degree was in microbiology and I ended up in a basement laboratory analyzing blood serum of people that I'd never met, looking out a little window at a park. And I said, oh no, I think I made a wrong turn here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I, I redirected myself to back to that camp. Uh, it was called uh, Circle R Ranch, and it had a contract with the local London, uh, the local board of education. Mm-hmm. And I came on placement with the board because I knew the camp, and so I was able to kind of bridge for teachers and so on. Mm-hmm. And that was my introduction into outdoor education. And I did that for many years, plus the summer camp. So mm-hmm. it was not uncommon um, or foreign to me to kind of switch hats through dealing with school groups versus versus, uh, you know, directly with family and children. Yeah. Uh, because at the end of the day, it's pretty much the same. <laughs> and, yeah, and, <laughs> well, I was going to ask and, the differences. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there are some, but but it is very much. Uh, you know, connecting and letting that outdoor experience do the real, do the real work. That's the, awesome. Yeah, the big blessing that uh, that I had was, uh, as many of us can uh, can point to, was a camp director who nurtured and encouraged and guided and corrected and uh, and eventually said, you know. Uh, you need a bigger pond. Uh, it was a family, a small family operation. I could, I, I would still be there if the director hadn't said, "It's time for you to take the things that you know and do something with them somewhere else." And and that's how I ended up uh, at Towingo and working mm-hmm. with Jack Pierce. And so, and Mr. Pierce was was that camp director that said, "It's it's time for a bigger pond." No, he was the one in the bigger pond. Ah, uh, and, okay, and so. So Jack uh, was the founder and director of Camp Twingo, and that's about two hours north of Toronto. So I, that's what brought me up onto the Canadian Shield and into mm-hmm. cottage country and, and mm-hmm. to a camp that I still uh, know and love. Uh, wow. So it's, it's from that base uh, that 
that I've been able to do all of the things that have taken me uh, around the world uh, to see camping in, in many different facets. My father would always, he'd scratch his head and say, how is it that you can be flying to China or Japan or Australia from a summer camp? Because he only had that one week experience. Sure. <laughs> oh, <laughs> couldn't, couldn't go bigger than that. And many people can't. But, uh, uh, but uh, that was one of the things that Jack did for me and for us was uh, create an opportunity to look beyond the, uh, the experience that was going on in, in the camp itself. Well, it's a, a pretty far cry from that small little window at the microbiology lab, uh, certainly. What um, I, I, microbiology's loss is certainly camp's gain. What, what was it, though, about Mr. Pierce and, and your experiences that, that pushed you forward? Because, you know, one of the things we talked about in our introduction is, is your vast involvement with international camping. What, what led you guys to that and those steps in that direction? Well, like most camp directors, um, and uh, you're one of them, I'm sure, mm -hmm. um, he, uh, he, Jack, had that innate talent of sur uh, surrounding himself with the best people possible mm -hmm. and recognizing that, this, that camp is a collaboration and that camp is a bringing together of many talents. And uh, what modest talent I had, he recognized and decided that it was worth including. And, and so he, he brought us all together and we, uh, we did what we could to make camp the best possible setting. He mm -hmm. loved social recreation, music, singing, that, that, that bringing together a, a, a positive energy, mm -hmm. but it was not lost on him that, that this was all of these things were just a vehicle to pointing kids at what is the best version of themselves and getting to a spot that they can um, can can take that that in many cases indescribable feeling away from camp and have it continue to ripple in their lives outside of camp. And so he was constantly positive for the campers and staff that, that came to him each each summer and for the people that were working on the staff we were a team that helped uh helped um, that um, that those ripples spread sure you know so I, he, yeah he uh, sorry i just wanted to say that please. the second aspect of jack is, is just how principled he was mm -hmm. and passionate about projects and a desire to to go beyond the the current to what to what could be he, he was a university professor. He founded the Faculty of Recreation and Leisure Studies at the University of Waterloo. He's a children's entertainer on TV. And many of the staff just simply rode on his wide coattails to all of the things that, uh, <laughs> that he got, got us involved with. We published, I think, 13 publications, uh, books on social recreation, singing, music, and, and that just that led us beyond camp. 
Just amazing. Well, he also did something that's also a little dear to my heart. It sounded like he was one of the golf coaches that started the golf team there at the college. He did indeed. He was a <laughs> golf coach and uh, and a great one indeed. He may he may even has brought his team down to play you because I know that they he swung into the states uh, quite regularly with his team. Yeah, that's just amazing. Yeah, he had such a life. What? So I'm interested. I think we as humans when we get into something and, and, you know, camp, I think is, is we, we can be challenged by this sometimes where at my camp, we do it this way. And this is the only way that you should do it. You know, I I think that's a kind of a natural thought process when, when you're there because it's such an immersive intense experience. You have seen camps literally around the world. Can you point to a time or remember a time where you looked at it from a standpoint of, well, this is how we do it at Twingo. But then you, you went out there and said, wow, you can do camp lots of different ways and it all works. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember the moment that light went on. It probably went on back, way back at Circle R Ranch when, mm-hmm. when uh, you know, you step out to what is your local camp community. And so the, the Ontario Camp Association would hold an annual conference and we'd go and, and we, would, we would see camps that didn't do canoeing and, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and horseback riding. They, they did it in a different way or um, longer overnight periods and so on. So, so the door opens slowly. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Jack was, the other aspect of Jack was a recognition that, that, that our camp is strong only when the industry is strong. Mm-hmm. And so he was very much an advocate of, of me, of my stepping outside of camp to contribute to the camp community at large. And mm-hmm. so uh, I got involved with the, with the local Ontario Camp Association, uh, became the president, uh, went on to become the president of the Canadian Camp Association. Uh, Jack, uh, Jack was very active in, uh, in both those associations as well. So I was kind of following that, uh, that uh, legacy. Mm-hmm. But uh, the other thing that he did was he also <clears throat> looked across the border and became involved with the American Camp Association and specifically the Association of Independent Camps. It's gone mm-hmm. through several um, <clears throat> um, metamorphoses uh, mm-hmm. uh, to, I guess, CODA at this yeah. point. But, yeah. but that brought me in touch with the likes of Dick Chamberlain and Gene McMullen and Armin Ball and uh, Chuck Ackenbaum, uh, uh, the Chiles, uh, Maury Stein, and and legends people, of camping, American camping, really yeah. legends. That's right. And and they were number one, so kind, but number two, so um, educative. They were so ready and willing to share, and and I learned at 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 their at their knee um, all many of the things that they were doing, and and in 1987. Chuck Ackenbaum uh, uh, was the co- a co-chair of the ACA conference in Washington, D.C. And, and late in the planning, uh, a decision was made to collaborate with the Canadian Camp Association, Janet Adamson. And so what was to be a, a national conference became an international conference. And uh, our fragile world uh, was... Uh, 
uh, a, a gathering. Uh, Nancy Reagan spoke at the, Pete Seeger performed at the, at wow. the event. Uh, and suddenly they're uh, in, a, in, a, in a top story presidential suite, a gathering of internationals. I think there were like 30 international countries that were represented were meeting and saying, we can't let this, this dissolve. We, you know, <laughs> we can't let this moment pass. And so uh, a representative, Tom Slater from Australia, came down and made a declaration that, that the International Camping uh, Fellowship uh, would, uh, would work to establish some guidelines and will work to maintain a connection across the world. And so in the following year, 1988, uh, Jack hosted the, uh, the, the first planning meeting at Tewingo. And so I, again, here I am with, with uh, Sachiko Tanaka from Japan and, uh, and Armin Ball and Dick Chamberlain, uh, Bob Metcalf from the United Kingdom. Uh, and, and we were talking about what we could do to maintain this community. And that was uh, the start uh, the, of, uh, of the ICF. Uh, that that expanded one more time when Valeri Costin came to Boston to the American Camp Association conference, and he was a it was his first time outside the former Soviet Union. He had been a wow. camp director at the largest uh, camp operated in Russia. There were four thousand children at this. There are actually 10 camps of about 400 each, and he was a camp director of one of these uh, particular um, camps, Diamond Camp, I think it was. And he came and stood in front of the assembly uh, at, the, uh, at a general session at the National Association and said, uh, in the former Soviet Union, there are 100,000 camps. And... We all, <laughs> what? <laughs> we, all, we all snickered and said, you know, this, 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 this Russian uh, must have his decimal point in the wrong place. You know, right. his, his, his English wasn't fantastic. Uh, uh, but it was true. And, and so, so, so Armand and, and Dick and, and Jack went up to him and said, you were on the ICF board. <laughs> so we, <laughs> put him in place, and uh, and so suddenly the whole, you know the whole world of, of Russian camping opened up, and uh, and we learned that here was uh, a country where where almost ninety percent of the children had some type of camp experience. Mm. What would what would we give in North America to be assured oh. that that anywhere near that number could go to camp? Uh, and, and, you know, we, we all have our, our own thoughts around the role of government or uh, outside organizations in our camping. But, but to be able to bring so many children to some type of camp experience every, every year uh, was a, an eye opener. And, and that has continued ever since. Yeah, that's an incredible number. It's, I remember meeting a number of the Russian representatives down at Shenzhen when we were there for the, the Chinese camp conference. Um, and they were fantastic. I think we actually all celebrated our birthday on somebody's boat, drank a lot of vodka, and, and had a lot of fun <laughs> that Larissa, night. It was, um, Larissa, 
Like, yeah. so yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, and I still feel terrible because I had promised to go later that year to the camp conference in Siberia in yes. the middle of January. And then I had to beg out because of all the stuff that was going on. But I still want to go to that Siberian camp conference. That, that must be something. Well, you should know that it that uh, it's scheduled for the middle of this month. So you Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> maybe next year. Okay, <laughs> so what, you know, in, in working with all these camp professionals and outdoor educators from around the world, what have you learned about the importance or, or usefulness of the camp experience through working with them? Um, well, I think that the message that I that I come have come away with in so many different environments, uh, in uh, in Japan and uh, in Australia uh, and in China, that uh, that th- the camp model uh, ha- has a has a form, uh, mm-hmm. but it is it is eminently adaptable, uh, mm-hmm. and that. That the camp experience may have uh, birthed in in some form or other uh, with uh, Frederick Gunn and I and in North America, but it is clear that it has taken on so many different forms across the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all of them with this fundamental um, objective of helping kids master skills that cannot be taught in the same way in any other setting that mm-hmm. that uh, we are really you know in China and and you'll remember this I'm sure uh, they have actively coined a phrase uh, uh, camp education yes and, and, and they, they did that intentionally I think because of the cultural focus on education and on on the child uh, preparing for their university and adult life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, for me, uh, so so then I look to Russia and I see I see the role of school based camping in the the camps that are going on in Russia, mm-hmm. and I think about my my own outdoor education experiences. And I, I begin to see camp education in a different light that for me, it isn't, it's no longer simply education in the out of doors, mm-hmm. but it is a more a style of learning so much so that uh, so environmental education, outdoor education, uh, all of these things that we do in the out of door STEM technology that we take into our camps, for instance, where we're, t- where we're delivering curriculum in uh, the camp setting. Mm-hmm. That's different than camp education, which is the preparation of the child to participate in lifelong learning, to participate in the cultural community at large, to participate in their becoming the best versions of themselves, that they are actually uh, acquiring a body of knowledge through camping that is best delivered through camping mm-hmm. and i was at uh, i was at i was at a high school in central china 
that where I went to visit the camp club and what is starting in in these high schools in China as as camp and camp education really begins to take hold is that educators are bringing this mode of camp thinking, camp education into the formal school setting. So in this camp club, in this particular high school, the kids were learning, were, were doing group singing. They were playing uh, uh, experiential and, and group dynamic activities, uh, experiential um, um, programming and, uh, and games out on the, on the sports field in a way that was not the way it would have been done in a typical phys ed- physical education sure. um, right. class. And with the end result that these kids uh, were uh, outgoing and, and engaging and so excited to meet me. I'm so excited to meet them. <laughs> I still have correspondence with some of them. Uh, I got a picture just the other day. Uh, I had given away my little wooden name tag that said Georgie on it. Sure. And this, this young young student still had this name tag on it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that she wanted me to speak. Uh, but, you know, the, so this whole idea of bringing a different um, mode of learning into the school setting uh, validates camp education in a way that uh, that it needs to be heard. Yeah, it's it's funny. I keep the the quote from Mark Twain keeps coming back. Don't let your schooling get in the way of your education. <laughs> um, you know, and I I have nothing but respect for our, you know teachers and, and what they're able to do. They they do something that I can't do, um, or, or choose not to do. <laughs> I I enjoy our aspect of of education. Right. What what do you think you you've worked with literally tens of thousands of of young people um and i'm including our staff members as young people as well because they're 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 certainly are adults they're still growing and learning though um what are two or three lessons that that you think you've you've seen across the board in summer camps that you really wish everybody you know could experience or or, or knew well, you're absolutely right. You know, there are the three most important things at camp are, are staff, staff, and staff. Uh, <laughs> I totally agree. <laughs> yes. Um, well, the, the list is huge, uh, Cole. I, I come home with, with so many stories uh, each, each time um, I'm away. I guess... Uh, if I could touch on a, uh, on a few things, uh, I, I see I see camps uh, as an important part of of citizen building. Uh, mm. You know, th- th- mm-hmm. there's a historic uh, <clears throat> some of the historic base uh, for camp in in Russia. Uh, camp, camps began in Russia just about the same time as. Uh, Baden Powell was starting the scouting movement, and uh, and this idea of this you know quasi military group, uh, let's all wear scarves and, and sure. march and uh, and sing sing patriotic songs, uh, that has tempered significantly mm-hmm. in in the camp setting, but but uh, persists in some areas. But uh, 
with all of the those things, it seems to me that uh, this idea of uh, of camping as a way of imparting uh, culture. Uh, so I mean, it, it was a sort of a formal formal government. Um, top-down delivery, mm -hmm. uh, the young pioneer camps became young communists, became the communists. Mm -hmm. but, uh, and so one might conclude that, that uh, this is a form of indoctrination. Uh, but uh, I, would, uh, I would challenge just about any camp director to not uh, also acknowledge that they are purporting a specific philosophy in their camp. Totally. <laughs> and yeah, and they are they are working to change minds, change hearts, uh, and uh, and and shape the future for the children that are in their care. Yeah. So, uh, so so we we all sort it all gets done in in different forms, mm -hmm. but it, it does get done. And and I'm seeing uh, the emergence of uh, in China of a of also I think the role of camp education in order to connect children with their heritage, with their mm -hmm. past. Many of the camps that I've uh, witnessed uh, have some component of, uh, of, the, of the cultural arts, you know, whether it's, uh, and not to stereotype at all, but, uh, mm -hmm. but tea, tea ceremony and, mm -hmm. and Chinese calligraphy and writing and, mm -hmm. uh, um, a, a Chinese style of archery that's different from the type of archery that, that we might do in, in our setting. These things are important, I think. And it's, a, it's always been an invitation for me as I come back to say, all right, what is it that we do in our camp that helps children become connected with their past, connected mm -hmm. with, with what, with, with the culture that has, and, and the humanity that has brought us to this, to this moment. So I see that, see that as an important learning. And then I have friends, and, and you've seen and met them on, on some other webinars uh, mm -hmm. from, from Nigeria uh, and in Africa. Uh, we know that, that Phil Lilienthal doing his work at Sizanani in South Africa, mm -hmm. uh, moving into an area where camps deliver uh, an aspect of social Community support, social uh, social responsibility, uh, and empower children to become uh, more effect again more effective citizens. Whether it's learning agriculture like the Lanlap Latte Youth Initiative, whether Camp for Peace in Liberia, uh, where they are working with uh, a child the child soldiers that have mm -hmm. been. Uh, traumatized by mm -hmm. their young experience, or Sizanani working with uh, with children who have uh, are dealing with uh, with AIDS uh, mm -hmm. or age related uh, illness. These things, uh, I think, speak to number one the power of camp, and I think the importance of camp to look beyond um, just what what we're doing by way of group singing and uh and uh, playing a wide game yeah there's it's so much more depth I, while you're talking i keep coming up with this image of the those enormous stands of aspens which are actually one organism they're connected at the root 
but yet they grow up in shoots and they all look a little bit different, but they're all there for the same purpose and they're all rooted down in the same spot. It seems like camp when it's done well and thoughtfully, regardless of where you are in the world is connecting, is giving children roots, but also giving them the opportunities to spread out and try new things while remaining connected with each other. Uh, It's perfectly true. It is. uh, uh, I have bumped into some articles recently in relation to uh, Maslow's teaching, Mm -hmm. Abraham Maslow. Mm -hmm. Hierarchy of needs. Yeah, this process of rising to a self-actualization where Mm -hmm. an individual total purpose is to get from basic needs to a Mm -hmm. self-actualization. Some of the reading has taken me to Maslow's experiences out in Alberta, in Canada, actually, with the the Blackfoot Nation, uh, where there is an extension beyond this uh, that really... it really places self-actualization at, at the at the base of the pyramid. Uh, that of, of course everyone needs to self-actualize, but beyond self-actualizing is is uh, a the, your community actualization. Mm. That you know where where you are become an active member of maintaining uh, the the best possible uh, future for your community in which you find yourself. And that, that beyond that is a, uh, a cultural perpetuity that, that, uh, that beyond connecting and making the community, the current community, the best it can be, there is uh, a connection to, and uh, we've all heard reference to the seventh generation, but there's a connection between, uh, your people, your your culture, the land, mm-hmm. and and, uh, and and what has brought you and your community to where you are today. Mm-hmm. But your decisions are part of what is going to take us into the future, beyond your life, beyond your current community's life, but into into some future setting. And and that sense of the. Hum- Global, global education, global humanity mm-hmm. is, uh, is one that kids desperately need right now with, with yeah. all of the stress, uh, the, uh, the, the, the challenges around, around climate change uh, and, and, uh, and threats to our peace. And, and if, if, we can, if we can connect people, and you touched on it, connection is so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. I keep you saying that it makes it reminds me of a um, gentleman who I work with quite a bit. It's one of my, my closest partners in camping. Um, he was much more experienced than I am. He said, Cole, we have to look past the idea of being a camp owner and be thinking of yourself as a steward because you're part of something that was there before you and hopefully will be there much longer after you. And your whole idea of it's stewardship. It's taking what we've done in the past, taking what we're doing now, and hopefully giving the product of the gener- future generations something much stronger on which to to run from. Yeah, love is is yeah, and and the, the skills are are only useful if you give them away. Oh, that's great. 
That's great. I totally agree. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, Georgie, well, man, thank you so much for spending some time around the campfire. I could talk to you for hours about this. Well, but let's, we won't put another log on, let's put another log on the fire. <laughs> well, you said it was it's minus 10 up there where you are right now. So you probably need another <laughs> log on the fire. <laughs> well, wonderful. Uh, it's, it's well, look, great. Well, thank you so much for spending the time with me. And we'll definitely have you back because I, there's so many more stories that I want to unpack with you uh, across the world and camping and what you've, you've done up there in Canada. So, um, but we wish you guys nothing but the best. We know that the Canadian uh, camp situation is, is like the U.S. one. We, we need to have camp for our kids and we need to figure out a way to get back there. So here's to hoping we all get back and have a safe and, and happy summer for, for all of us. Uh, let's, uh, and let's make sure our paths cross again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. All the best. So I've listened to this conversation a couple of times now, trying to figure out the best way to boil it down for myself. For me, I want to remember so much, but the whole idea of the importance of keeping an open mind to new experiences really is at the forefront. Jory started in one direction, which led to another and then another, and that process kept going on. The life he has decided to live is just amazing. He's a great example of Mr. Pierce's idea of going from your current situation and figuring out what it could become. I couldn't agree more with Georgie that summer camp, when done well, offers an educational experience that prepares young people to become better learners, better friends, and better members of a community. I also agree that every camp instills a set of beliefs. And frankly, it doesn't matter what the camp says, what their values are, It's all about what the camp does, what they celebrate, how they and the staff members and the kids act on a daily basis in all the small, everyday kind of ways. That's what you can tell what the values really are. And finally, I love that idea of community actualization. For a long time, our human culture was focused on things that we couldn't control. We gave them names. Our ancient forebears used to use the idea of the mythical gods to explain things. We, as a human culture, then move towards a more monotheistic belief system. It seems to me now we're actually shifting away even from that, unfortunately, to more of a self-centered focus. And and I don't mean that in a a negative way, but just in a, a way that I think that that's what's happening. We're all thinking about ourselves and actualizing ourselves only. I think by focusing on the actualization of the community, though, of thinking about the results of your actions seven generations from now on the community, I mean, that's powerful. It would seem to me that that idea of community actualization is the path that's fruitful, and it's full of generosity, and it's full of humility. And I think we all need a bit of that right now. That's the path I plan on taking more and more in my life ahead. And I invite you to come along with me. Thanks for taking the time to listen. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I hope you'll leave a review on whichever service you're using. The more positive reviews, the more these ideas will spread. Our campfire circle is large enough for everyone. See you next time around the campfire. Until then, be good and do good. Thanks again to our friends at Scope for sponsoring the Campfire Conversation podcast. SCOPE stands for Summer Camp Opportunities Promote Education. They provide children from underserved communities with life-changing opportunities through the experience of summer camp. SCOPE campers benefit from a positive, safe, and healthy environment led by excellent role models who give them the chance to develop their full potential. 
We both believe that summer camp reinforces what children learn in school and enhances overall academic learning. If you would like to help give some wonderful children a life-changing experience, I hope you'll join me in supporting SCOPE. You can find them online at scopeusa.org and on social media at support scope.